Welcome to Comfortable Place on the Couch, a short-run podcast exploring every Midnight Oil album in the year of their Great Circle Tour. My name is Darren Folds, and in the upcoming months, I'll be spinning every Midnight Oil studio album from my comfortable couch, as well as taking a listen to some of their EPs, live recordings, and video releases. Joining me each episode is my longtime friend and fellow Midnight Oil enthusiast, Robin Harbin. How are you doing tonight, Robin? I'm doing well, Mr. Folds. Thank you. I've got a fun story for you. Tell me about it. I was uh, sitting on the couch this morning. And comfortable couch. Comfortable couch, reading some books. And uh, it was time to make some breakfast. So I asked my boys, okay, I'm going to make this for you for breakfast tonight. Sound good to you? I said, yeah, that's good. And I said, good. Everything's set. Everything's fine. And my seven-year-old said... You just got to stand in line. And I was so impressed. I said, "Where? how do you know that? And he said, because you played the song in the car once. Some kids are smart. Some kids got no time for playtime. Some kids got no time. Mr. Harbin, we've just been listening to the fifth full-length Midnight Oil album, 1984's Red Sails in the Sunset. What do you think we're going to be talking about this episode? Well, we've got the usual breakdown, bass, drums, music, lyrical analysis, one or two stories from the recording in Japan. Okay. Including the use of the Chapman stick on a couple tracks. Sounds like fun. Let's not waste time. Okay. All right, Mr. Harbin, is there any business arising from previous episodes? Well, there's been a comment about our comfortable place on the cooch. What's wrong with our cooch? So it's come to our attention that some people think we say cooch. Oh. So when we say that OU sound, like in about. Or folds. Or folds, <laughs> for that matter. We're actually making a sound kind of like an ow. About. 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 It's kind of an ow. Okay. Sort of. Sure. Yeah. But apparently it's it's called the Canadian Rising, and it's just what us Canadians do. Right on. It was something the English did do. Yeah. Maybe in the 1700s. Oh, yeah. And it just kind of got solidified here in Canada. Okay. And pretty much nowhere else. And everyone else just started slacking off. and They're slacking off and they got their O's and they got their, their O's and so on. <laughs> and we got this other thing that we can do. I'm glad we don't have their O's. And this isn't arising from last episode, but I want to mention yes. any of our Muso listeners, our musician listeners, Musos, that's I think what they say down down under. Is that spelled with two O's? M-U-S-O-S. Okay. Musos. Not M-O-O-S. Musos. The Musos. Okay. If any of our listeners are musicians, there's a fella who is putting together a kind of a tribute album. A tribute a cover album? Tribute cover album where you sign up and say what Midnight Oil song you or your band wants to cover. Yeah. And then you deliver it by what? Early October or something? something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll put a link to some details on the, our webpage. Yep, in the show notes. And we encourage you. I have been working with my daughter uh, on a cover of Progress. Not Progress. Not Progress. Progress. Right on. I think that's all the business. That's all the business? All right. I'm so excited to be going to Toronto in Ooh. five days or something like that. That is crazy. Six days from now, five and a half days from now. As we're recording We're this. climbing on the airplane, 
and flying to Toronto. And at least looking at the set lists from the shows that they're playing in the States, I'm feeling, you know, it's, it's not going to, it's not going to be like Brazil where it's like all diesel and dust, blue sky mine or sun and moon. Yeah. More or less. Like they're throwing in some, some older stuff. Definitely some 1098. Mm-hmm. And we've seen some postcard. Mm-hmm. So we're I looking forward to that. Hasn't there even been some head injuries? I'm really still holding out. Maybe is it now will get played. And somebody, oh, somebody posted just a few hours ago as we were, are recording this, a live version of Lucky Country. Wow. And it's like, oh, that would be great to hear that too. Oh, yeah. so much good stuff. Yeah. It's going to be great, whatever, but. Yes. All right. Before we actually start listening to uh, the music and talking about the music and the songs, let's talk about the recording process. Yes. Heading to Japan. Yeah. They went to Japan again with producer Nick Lane. Yep. And apparently, uh, apparently this, the Oils were the first Western band, so to speak, to go to Japan and record in, well, in this new studio. I shouldn't say ever. Ever, yes. This was like the Sony or JVC studios or something? They had just built this big, yeah, Victor Studios mm-hmm. in Aoyama. Our Japanese listeners can set us straight on yeah, that. Yeah, we'll listen to them. So one story, should I be telling a story now? Yeah, tell a story. So Giffo, there was recently an Ask Giffo yeah. event on Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah. Run by his brother, is it John? John Gifford? Does that make, so that, that you don't want to agree with me, that but yeah. That rings a bell. Okay. Ding, so, ding. So Giffo's brother uh, arranged for fans on Facebook to ask questions to put to Giffo. And one of them was, uh, I think any stories from their time in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so uh, apparently Rob Hurst was experimenting with drum sounds for Jimmy Sharman's boxers and uh, just trying to get different sounds. Yeah. He ended up in the toilets with a monitoring station oh, yeah. and a long cable connected back to the control room. And while he's in, so basically he's in the bathroom with wires running into it. Let's not say in the bathrooms. Let's just say the toilet. in the toilet. In the toilet, because that's... Probably more accurate and funnier. <laughs> so Rob is in the toilet. <laughs> with... <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is funnier. <laughs> okay. You say it that way. <laughs> yeah, Rob is in the toilet. Wires, uh, long cables <laughs> running into it back to the control room. And right then the manager of this brand new, super expensive studio, yeah. uh, Mr. Hashiguchi, yeah. walks in and he says, we have beautiful studio. Why you record in toilet? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, so that's that a good story. That's pretty good. Yeah. Why do you record in toilet? Good, good acoustics in the toilet. Different acoustics, at least. For next episode, Robin and I will be in the toilet. Comfortable place on the can. Ooh, the acoustics are fantastic in here. And I think we should also just mention that uh, Peter Garrett has decided to run for the... The Nuclear Disarmament Party. Right. So he's decided to run for that party. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! It's a party. Um, so, of course, this divides his attention because he's sure. doing a full political campaign yep. in Japan. Or at I least guess. based out of Japan. Based yeah. out of, like he's in yeah. Japan, trying to record this album. So that made him relatively absent mm. uh, during the recording process, as I understand it. So that was kind of a, a different thing as well. Uh, they were also trying to follow up that huge 1098. It was oh, yeah. a huge hit yeah. at home. Yeah. Uh, so they went with the same 
producer, but this time in Japan. Uh, another interesting thing going on is that uh, Giffo, Pete Gifford, I mean, usually he's playing a four-string Fender. Yep. Does he play a P-bass or jazz bass? A regular P-bass, yep. as far as I know. Yeah. Okay, so. old workhorse. So he ended up uh, with this Chapman stick, which is kind of a bass replacement, yeah. but it does a lot more. It's, it's, yeah. it's kind of like a extra big bass with lots of strings on it. Like... 10 12 10 strings. 12 strings often yeah yep. and yeah they i don't think uh there's not necessarily one set size mm-hmm. of chapman stick and it's kind of played a little bit differently than a bass guitar yeah, too it's, right it's usually played with both hands on the fretboard yep and so you're playing bass with your left hand like bass notes bass notes yeah, like bass normal yep. but instead of plucking the strings with your right hand you are also fretting the mm-hmm. more treble, the higher sounding notes. Yep. Kind of chording. Yeah, you can be chording with it. Yep. And uh, it's all set up so that you can tap and get uh, solid sounds out of it. Without having to pick. Yeah, you're not picking or, or plucking. Pluck. Uh, you are just, when you hit your finger down onto the fretboard, onto the string, mm-hmm. that creates the ringing. Yep. The, the sound. The sound. Yeah. And so I, I don't think Giffo at all became a master of the stick, but he got good enough to record yeah. his, you know, he worked yeah. on his parts and, and played them on two songs on this album. Mm-hmm. And now this is an instrument that is pretty difficult to play as, uh, compared to just regular bass. Sure. Um, and it's something that... Uh, you might have like three times as many strings going on. Well, it's got way more strings, but a lot more is expected. Yeah. A lot more can be done with the instrument arguably so that's what some people who get just plain old too good for the bass anyway that's enough chapman stick talk. cool sounds good yeah so red sales became their first number one album in australia i'm kind of surprised that with 1098 being such a huge success well, i heard about how well. it was two years on the chart yeah but i guess it just was a steady hanging out at number four forever How does it work for you, Darren? Well, it starts out with the with a couple of the singles, right? When the generals talk and best of both worlds. So, for the folks who are into the rock and the roll, yeah, you know, you're starting out big. Unlike ten nine eight, yeah, ten nine eight start off with the atmospheric outside world. Yeah, so starting with the rock and roll here yeah. before kind of taking things down a little bit, and it does get to its, its moody bits, seem to be continuing to explore new sounds and new textures. They're bringing in different instruments. They're expressing themselves in different ways in this album. So it's kind of a continuation of 1098 in that, that yeah. way. Yeah, I, I see it very much as 1098 taken even further, Yep. but in my opinion, a little too far mm-hmm. at times. Um, I, I sort of like, disclaimer. Yep. I love Red Sails in the Sunset. Lots of great songs. Does he even like Does Midnight Oil? Does he even Oil? like Midnight Oil, this guy? <laughs> but I feel of all their albums, this is the one that is the most dated in terms of sound. Like, hmm. now, sure, uh, the Blue Meanie or Head Injuries or Postcard uh, had that kind of lower key, well, especially Blue Meanie and uh, Postcard. I had this swampier, older production, mm-hmm. not not as crisp, not yep. as modern sounding in that way. But 
if if those could be recorded basically exactly the same today, I think they would stand up uh, very well. Sure. But I don't think anybody, I don't think the oils or anybody would think about recreating Red Sail in the Sunset exactly as it is due to the heavy use of like uh, of samples, yep. uh, these orchestra hits yep. that are kind of all over the album. Yep. They age the album in kind of a negative way they, for they me. They date it. Like they're saying, they, oh yeah, this is 1984. This is really an 80s album. Yep. Yeah. Unlike where the other albums don't sound to me as trapped in as as a product of their times yeah yeah so that that's kind of my my negative thing about the album there's still lots of great songs Mm -hmm. it's still a good album yeah but it's the one that really stands out as being uh 1098 did all the studio trickery but it stayed with um it had a lot more real strings real piano sure uh that to me are a lot more timeless 1098 they would use synthesizers, but maybe this is just me. Uh, real synthesized music is more timeless, or at least I've come around to mm-hmm. appreciating it more. It still somehow feels more genuine, uh, genuine, honest. Yeah, yeah. Thematically, now I remember when we were doing ten nine eight at the beginning, we thought ah, thematically. By the time we finished talking about the album, we were we were seeing that things really held together well. I don't know that thematically that this album is as tight as previous albums. Yeah. So at this point, as we're about, as we're recording this, yep. uh, I don't have an idea. I mean, obviously the cover of the album uh, is, is post-apocalypse or, or, yep. or during an apocalypse, yep. a nuclear attack on Sydney. So I would think uh, the, the nuclear forces, the the Reagan era. When, yeah. when did Reagan get elected? Reagan was in very beginning of the 80s. Right from 80? I think in 84 he was starting his second term second in term. November. So this they were recording this towards the end of his first, first term. First term, yeah. Um, so I would say this uh, threat of nuclear war obviously weighs heavily. Mm-hmm. Uh, continued commercial exploitation. Yeah. Uh, is is heavy in here? Does it yeah. all tie together? We don't know yet. Well, yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking, you know, like you've got a lot of of the standard oils complaint rock type topics. <laughs> complaint rock. We're we're really cynical today, aren't we? About well, this you know, no, you know, like, yeah. the oils and their complaint rock. Man, these guys just do the same things over and over again. Why don't you get like a new horse to ride or something? But but yeah, like you're saying, like they've got like the the political and military struggle type things going on. They've got. Songs that deal with nukes and environment, uh, commercialism, um, European colonization of Australia. They've even got like their their lucky country type song again on this album. Yeah. But it's not like everything seems to, you know, when I listen to it, it doesn't seem to be like a cohesive uh, thought or a narrative going through trying to take us, you know, from one place to another or, or trying to rally us around a particular issue or something like that. Yeah, not quite as much a concept album as yeah. some of the earlier Yeah, like ones. Place or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, something that they seem to be exploring perhaps a little bit more in this album than others, or maybe I'm just kind of picking it up this time around, is almost like this this troubled, broken heart type thing I see. And, and maybe it's not a theme that f- goes through the whole album, but, you know, I see it popping up again in a few songs. Or, you know, maybe this is just where I've been at the last few weeks, so I'm kind of, you know, reading stuff into the album. But Are you um, empathizing? Are totally, you, yeah. yeah, empathizing with that kind of thing. So uh, and finding it satisfying, finding it uh, 
worthwhile listening. Yeah. A couple of instrumentals on the album. Mm-hmm. Or at least not if a couple instrumentals, like definitely an instrumental and then a two-for-one type song, yes. which could definitely be another instrumental. Yeah, this they're continuing uh, their regular things like uh, frequent key changes. I don't know how the ti- old time signature worked out on this album. Uh, you know, they're doing a couple different things time signature-wise yeah. okay. too. Yeah. You were mentioning the cover art a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an interview where they were talking about the cover art they didn't use. Okay. So they had Japanese artist, I can try to say his name, Chunisha Kimura, mm. Mr. Kimura. And he, he, the way he did art was he was like, you know, nowadays you'd be Photoshopping stuff. He's actually taking photographs and, and physically, you know, com- compositing them together doing some in-camera effects and stuff like that to get his albums. So not just a collage. Not, well, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure. It's definitely not digital. It's not digitally edited. Yeah. Yeah. Like we would expect today. So one of the early tests that he did for the cover, not an explosion happening in Sydney Harbor. You know, you've got the red blast happening yes. on the album. Gigantic testicle. What was he thinking? Oh, it's, it's provocative. And I think that, I think maybe it was Rob who was talking about this in the interview that I listened to was saying, you know, kind of talking about, you know, just the whole ballsiness of, of like Reagan, of Thatcher. Yes. <laughs> of, um, who was it? Was it Khrushchev? Metaphorically. Yeah, exactly. We've got the bombs. We can drop it. Yeah. We don't fear nobody. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a statement. It certainly would have been. I really like the cover art. It's, it's Yeah, good this cover is art. like. Fantastic. Yeah. 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 This might be the best cover art. Yeah. I'm trying to think of something, trying to think of something better and and nothing's jumping to mind. Let's talk about drum and bass before we go any further. Robin, when we think about Red Sails in the Sunset, specifically you, what are you thinking about when it comes to the bottom end? The bottom end. Yeah, it's, um... Kind of mixed bag where some songs, uh, the bass really takes a back seat and that's okay. Uh, I think Giffo said he was just doing what he was told to do in the studio pretty much. It's interesting. I do notice that in quite a few songs, uh, I assume it was Nick uh, Lane mixing the album. He would bring the bass way out of the mix. Really, it'd be there, but very quiet. Like the beginning of um, Best of Both Worlds. Mm-hmm. It's kind of surprising that during that great big intro for Best of Both Worlds, the drums are going, the horns are going, and everything. Yeah. yeah. And the bass is actually way down, hmm. barely in there, even though you'd think, you know, this is this great big noise, the bass should be helping too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but then at 25 seconds in, suddenly it's all bass and drums. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bass is just doing the, the fast kind of eighth note driving yeah, yeah. bass sort of stuff. Okay, not being a bass player, yeah, I was listening to this and I think, I bet you Robin's really going to like this album for bass playing because to me it seemed like there's lots of melodic bass happening all over oh, the yeah. album. Yeah, um, but I sort of felt like it was about half the album okay. had that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and maybe not, but the stuff that's there is really interesting. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And the other thing, I mean, if I'm going to be really pedantic, it's, it's actually Chapman's stick on... 
uh, sleep. Yep. And it, it's a great line, and yep. it's the role of the bass. So yeah, we're not going to yeah, say, totally. you know. You, know. Yeah. you don't have to be playing a bass guitar to be playing yeah. the bass. We will accept we'll a Chapman stick as, as yeah. a bass substitute. Sleep, of course, has a great bass line. Yep. It sounds really chorusy. It does. I, yeah. And, and that's I'm, why I like it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I believe the Chapman stick has a bit more of a natural mm-hmm. tendency to sound I think so that too. way. Yeah. Uh, they probably do have some effects on it, but a Chapman stick just has a more... Mm -hmm. You know, the first time I was listening through it, or the first few times I was listening through it, um, I was thinking, you know, okay, Chapman stick on the song, there's nothing that he's really doing with the the stick that he couldn't just play with a bass. And upon subsequent listens through, I can hear his chording and stuff on it, I believe. Yeah. But generally speaking, yeah. Yeah, you, you could got you could get away with a, a nice bass with some chorus pedal happening on it. Yeah, I I think what we're seeing is that Giffo bought his stick, he worked out some parts for it, mm-hmm. and he's still a beginner, competent but still oh, yeah. a beginner. Yeah, uh, like a, a skilled bass player, fairly quickly picking up a new instrument, mm-hmm. the stick. And it's not like the right hand cording. Is it the right hand that chords? Yeah. It's not like the right hand cording isn't there. If you know what you're listening for, yeah. you can hear it. But to me, his use of Chapman stick on both this and on Who Can Stand in the Way yes. doesn't really sound Chapman sticky. It doesn't have that yeah. typical Chapman stick. Yeah, sound. when we see him play, like uh, when we watch the Goat Island concert, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see him using it. You yeah, know, okay. And, yeah, and uh, extremely focused on. Yeah. On holding his part together okay, there. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's not uh, running around the stage and singing background vocals and all that sure. kind of stuff during this. He's just like. Something I noticed about the bass line, though, in Best of Both. Was it Best of Both Worlds? No, in Sleep, is that he's got the uh, the bass riff that he plays, but towards the end of the song, he plays it, but he leaves out part of it a couple times through. And I was wondering, oh, did they edit that out? Did they cut that out? Or is that something that he's doing on purpose? And I, I did take a sneak peek at the goat island concert so that i could see what he was doing there and he's playing and then he doesn't play the little riffy uh, the part of that riff a couple times through towards the end of the song well we're getting ahead of ourselves but on on progress which is on species diseases Mm -hmm. this is what i've been covering this week, yep. spent a lot of, <laughs> and put a lot of effort into trying to record this, and, and I might not remember this uh, next we, next time, a couple weeks yep. away from when we record the next one, is that's very notable how he does variations from verse to verse, mm. and one of the variations is there's this main riff, bass riff in progress, but he leaves off the last two notes. Okay. Every time in in one verse. Oh, interesting. Just, yeah, it just stops. Yeah. And there's silence instead of the n- usual note. Okay. So I think that's a Giffo trick. Well, this might be something that I'll be listening for in future albums. See if I can play play the game. Find yeah. Well, out what unfortunately, he's... you only got uh, that's right a couple more. Yeah. Because um, so, Diesel's the last one he's on. Yeah, Diesel's the last one he's on, and and we'll see how what you think of his bass play on Diesel. Okay. It seems different to me. But what do you what really what do you really love about the bass on this album? Well, I, yeah, I, I do love how melodic it gets at times, uh, and a couple times how crazy it gets. Can we play a couple more samples? Yeah, for sure. Um, we know how much you love your samples. So Jimmy Sherman's Boxers. 
Yeah, when I was listening to Jimmy Sharman's Boxers, yeah. I was hearing bass stuff that I know that I knew that you would like. Yeah, with the sliding and the roo, 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 kind of stuff because yeah. I know you like that kind of bass work. So, yeah. Okay, there's all kinds of bass stuff I could talk about. We'll probably get to some of it when we get to the song. So of I'll just course. go with my my favorite one, "Minutes to Midnight." Oh yeah, is my favorite for bass. Was that your guess? Oh, I don't think I have anything written down about bass on here. Nope, that was not my guess. Yeah, yeah. As far as the best overall. So not the best little bit or whatever, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, minutes to midnight, it gets to do all these fun uh, descending and ascending parts. Well, it's just full of good stuff. me the the bass really rules this song yeah i know it doesn't sleep as well mm-hmm. but anyway i i choose minutes to midnight <laughs> excellent so mr folds tell us about the drums i want to be careful and not say that the drums aren't spectacular in red sails but there's nothing like power and the passion type solos going on here even though there there is plenty enough fun drum stuff going on i think maybe what i'll do is just jump straight to it and tell you what i like the best my favorite drum song okay for the album it's kosciuszko mm-hmm. um super tom heavy drum song um i mentioned in an earlier episode how as a drummer i rely a lot on my cymbals and so i really enjoy it when i find a groove that i can get into with lots of tom fills and stuff like that and so when rob's doing that in kosciuszko I'm thinking, oh, this is this is where it's at, man. So I really enjoy that. It's it's a rollicking kind of feel. It almost feels like he's leading the song with it. Yeah. Um, you do get a, a number of drum fills throughout the song, like this one here. So it just makes it a really enjoyable song for the drums. Yeah, if I was allowed to choose a drum song, mm-hmm. that would have been the one for me yeah. too. Now it's interesting. Again, the interview that I was listening to with Rob, he was talking about the recording process. And apparently in this Japanese studio, they had what he was calling the cone of silence. Oh yeah? Yeah, so it's basically a drum isolation booth but it would just kind of drop out of the ceiling and surround him. (laughs) And the button to raise and lower, of course, is not inside the cone of silence. So they could just leave Rob in there doing his thing the whole time. Yeah, exactly. Um, Apparently, when they were recording, though, they were using the same kind of tricks that they were using last time around, where they would take the cymbals off. They would, like, replace them with bits of carpet and stuff like that so that he could play everything, including where cymbals would be. But only recording the snare and you the toms and the kick. You just get a dull thud out of the carpet. Exactly. Of a big crash. And then they would record the cymbals separately later. Yeah. Something that I was noticing, like we talked about um, the use of electronic drums in previous albums. I think that they're a little bit more prominent in some of the songs here, and we'll probably talk about them when we get to them. Um, but definitely I, I couldn't help but notice and the Goat Island concert, the very small bit that I watched, that he's got like the Simmons electronic uh, toms just front and center that he's using. There's one other thing. I'm, I'm deliberately trying not to go 
head over heels <laughs> for drums for drums this time around i thought the um the big surf solo the oh, second yeah. half of bells and horns oh yeah so let's give a quick listen to what this album sounds like and then we'll start getting into it okay So, when the generals talk, this album starts with the drums from Billie Jean. You don't believe me? Listen to this. You got that kick, snare, hat type thing going on there. Yeah. After the boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so this song has, General's Talk has two musical themes that I've picked up on. Okay. It's got that two-note riff, which not only, I mean, at the beginning, the bass the, the bass and the drums do it together. Yep. But then the drums does it on its own. Yes, the they do. The toms do it. Yep. And then even later, the orchestra hits do it. Let's try to find all three of those. Yeah. Basically, everybody's getting in on that bump, bump, bump thing. Yeah, yeah. Cool. They do it. I think they do it like three or four different ways. Yeah. And the other theme mm-hmm. is the idea of repeating things. Um, so there's vocals re- repeating. Yeah. Uh, up, up there, there up, up there, there, up there, there on the platform. Yeah. Vocals do it. Drums do it. The guitar does it. Mm-hmm. Probably not in a way that they could actually play 
Like it was probably spliced okay. together to do that effect. Although I wouldn't put it past Jim to be able to do this. Sure. But and the and those orchestra hits. Yet again, do it. So, okay, so let me explain orchestra hits. Yes. Because maybe... What is an orchestra hit, Robin? Okay, an orchestra hit is when the whole orchestra, all the instruments do a sound together. Like, they'll just go... Right? And everybody will... All the instruments... You hear all the strings going... You hear all the brass instruments going... Yeah, Yeah, they all do it together. So it's this great big sound. Yeah, although it's not quite a noise because it is harmonically correct. Right. It's, It's... are they all playing the same note or working towards the same chord? They're probably or playing a chord, yeah. Uh, and then the percussion's joining in too. Okay, so that's already a thing. But then there's this idea of sampling, which is a digitally recording mm-hmm. a sound that is then available on your computer or your MIDI, like your keyboard, yep. to play back at any time. So, like, Jim can just be sitting there. Yeah, he can press a single button on his, like a key on his keyboard or a button on his drum machine or yep. whatever and trigger a whole orchestra hit. Cause, or it could be, you know, a, a dog barking or a cat yeah. meowing or yeah. whatever. And uh, this was a, a big thing in the 80s doing these, and, and they were called samples. Mm-hmm. So those are obviously useful, but I think they can be overdone yeah overused and i think on red sales on a handful of songs they were overused in my opinion mm-hmm. or at least that that's what dates the song sure uh general's talk has that big orchestra hit quite I a bit definitely recognize like i definitely heard all those orchestra hits happening during the album i never really felt that they were overdoing it but that could just be my tolerance for 80s crap i have a very high tolerance i would call it crap when everything else is being created on the album by individual musicians Mm -hmm. playing their parts uh and if they want a real cacophony of sound everybody in the band will all six of them will or five five or six if there's an extra studio guy will all be doing that but when you can just press a button Mm -hmm. and create the sound of like a, of yeah. a 30 40 piece orchestra yep yeah it's not and not to well here i am i'm going to do it anyway not to bring up the chimes again you know you're you're looking for a way to create an effect mm-hmm. maybe this is an easy way to do it where you've got like as you're saying you've got this band that could make these big sounds and these big stabs other ways during during the album that wouldn't necessarily lock it into 1984 and make you think oh yeah i know where this came from you're kind of overusing, you're leaning a little bit too heavily on that. Yeah. 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 This song is very melodic bass-wise. Yes. Yeah, there's a, a good bass bit. And even in the first verse, bass and drum do a really good job of kind of holding down this whole song. Yeah, and actually I, I wanted to mention this is almost that kind of what Nicolane on 1098 was calling disco. Mm-hmm. He was saying um, yep. Power and the Passion was a this goofy disco song. Yep. I think when the Generals Talk took that even further, it's it's a drum and bass 
improve yep. that is not something the oils ever did before. Mm-hmm. This was this is a new thing for them. Uh, it's leaving behind their kind of hard rock, punk, prog leanings and instead going into disco dance, dance. kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think, you know, even thinking because the intro drums call to mind Michael Jackson. Well, of course. Yeah. yeah. Good ar- guitar arpeggios happening yeah. during that. Those arpeggios remind me tons of like Redneck Wonderland. Yeah, an arpeggio we've mentioned before is playing the notes of a chord one by one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that sounds like it could be right out Redneck Wonderland. There's this weird vocal type thing happening at 233. It almost sounds like a, a, a down tuning. There's that repeating again. Yep. Introducing the new general. Yeah. Yeah, it does that pitch That shift. weird pitch bending stuff yeah. going on. So it's, it's neat. But at the same time, that kind of talking, like it's new for the oils, mm-hmm. but in some way it's, it's I, again, the the oils fans who don't like Red Sails all that much are going to cite this. Think that Red Sails just went kind of too kind of goofy. Yeah. It's a bit goofy. It's a bit out there. Mm-hmm. And um, and I, I'm, I'm sort of in that camp, but that doesn't, again, mm-hmm. good songs. Still like it. Still like it. Yep. <laughs> well, maybe we can talk about what this song is about. Cause when, cause for me, when we get to the, and it's not like we haven't got many generals in Australia. Australia. In Australia. Yeah. So when you get to that point of song of the song, for me, that's where you're kind of getting the meaning out of the song. Like you're talking about uh, a military leader up until this point, And then they kind of flip the tables on you and say, but you know what? Listener to this song in Australia here. You've got a general as well. We've all got generals kind of standing tall over top of us, trying to make give us orders and tell us what to do. And these are the generals that you face in your life. Yeah, they're, they're saying that the generals aren't only the military kind, they're the, the big companies yep. that rule our lives yep. as well. And that's where you've got the sitting on the fence, both ears to the ground, the fat cats still push the thin cats around. And the fat cats being, you know, the corporate fat cats, you know, that that image that's so often used. Yeah. Something that you and I were talking about a year or two ago was another guy that I really enjoy listening to is Elvis Costello. Mm -hmm. Hands up everyone who likes Elvis Costello. Excellent. Good to see. Elvis Costello has a song called Pills and Soap. Mm -hmm. You played me some of this. And as I was listening to that a few years ago, I was thinking, this reminds me a lot of something from Midnight Oil. And I pulled up Red Sails and I played Generals. And it's like, there are some striking similarities between these two songs. Yeah, it's very, very similar. Um, And so Elvis Costello's album that Pills and Soup came out on was released in, what I say, uh, October of 83. So it predates it does red predate. sales. I'm gonna I'm gonna just insert a couple little audio bits here, just of things that remind me of generals from Elvis Costello's Pills and Soap.
we're not saying that the oil's ripped off anything. No, maybe they had finished Generals recording it by then. And you know what? It's it it's totally not a rip-off type thing, but there are some some similar musical Very rhythmic similar things going things. on. And as a fan of both artists, it took me a while, but I finally made a connection there. And I just I just wanted to share it with you, dear listener. Yes. I remember last episode there was a song that you were talking about where there was this single drum hit. You were talking about in 1098, how you were really impressed with the album, how there's just so many little bits hidden all throughout the album that, that you're noticing after many, many listens to, and you had the single hit happening in whatever song it was. Yeah, that's right. For me in best of both worlds, there's a double hit that he does. And it's like, that is like the signature of this song. I'll play it for you here. Yeah, it's it's really cool. It's, it's iconic. It's like this is the song needs that, and and when I listen to it, even though he actually does it twice in the song, he does it a little bit earlier, but quite forcefully at that point. And it's like if that wasn't there, like you could play that without having that bam bam. Yeah, but it needs to have it. Yeah, it's like that signature double snare happening. Best of both worlds is definitely one of the my favorite songs on the album. Okay. Um, because it gets away from those 80s sounds and mm-hmm. just they are just fl- general's talk is a good song yep it's rock and roll but this yep. is flat out this is rock and roll it is yeah and for those of you at home who are keeping track of like guitar solos and hot licks and stuff like that yeah. you got them in this song oh yeah <laughs> Forty-five. There's that super fast guitar strumming. Yes, just holding one chord, and he's yep. like, "I had that written down as well." Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's a favorite from this song. I love it. Yeah, and then that follows with more squealing guitars and stuff. So, great song. Wonderful song. This, I haven't decided my favorite song yet. This Ooh. is a contender. Okay, uh, we'd be remiss if we did not mention the horns because I really love the horns. In 1098. Yeah. And we're having a lot of fun with the horns here as well. Best of both worlds. We'll just touch on it briefly. I think I mentioned earlier in the episode, you know, this is the lucky country. Yeah. I don't think he named song. it, but here it is. Yeah. This is like lucky country again. Mm-hmm. And what was the lucky country in 1098? I find that there's like a lucky country song on every album. There's a profiteers on every album, mm-hmm. you know, because these guys are like one trick ponies. They have nothing new to offer. Yeah. Does he even really like Midnight Oil? Are you guys saying that they're like two trick ponies at least then? At least two trick ponies, yes. (laughs) I think for me, the thing that kind of gives it away as the Lucky Country song is towards the end where they're talking about the great Southland can be as great. Definitely. I mean, we've got the best, even just saying we've got the best of both worlds. Exactly. I think it's an easy candidate for the Lucky Country of the album. I think so. Because we're going to have to keep this theory going (laughs) that every album has a Lucky Country. (laughs) Maybe. Let's try it. Moving on to Sleep. You know what? What? Sleep is my favorite song on the album. Oh, wow. I bet you weren't expecting that. No. 
I really like Sleep. It is a good song. Wow, yeah. So I guess you're already mentioning how the lyrics are really resonating with you. I think, and this is particularly it, right? Yeah, I like think that, so. Take take this heart. Yeah, take this heart, break this heart, and wrap it up. Give me some sleep. Give me some peace. So um, yeah, actually, this... I'm not. I'm not quite sure when Pete's singing it. Whether Pete is singing and give me some peace, and then the rest of the band is singing sleep under it or not. Regardless of of what it is, that's that's the vibe that they're laying down. The song is is I found difficult to understand. Like I don't think it's explicit about what's going on, but there's like the troubled heart in this song. Yeah, you know he's well. Got, that that chorus sounds like a like a prayer. If I can say that, yeah, can I for say sure. That? Oh yeah, I'll totally can say that. Yeah, it almost sounds like a prayer. Yeah, the heat of the land, swallowing sweat. Say those dreams can shake me. Dawn, come down and save me. And you know what's funny is all through my Midnight Oil listening life, up until taking a look at the lyrics this week, I always thought it was God, come down and save me. Oh, yeah. It, it, but it actually it, says dawn. Dawn, come down. Yeah. For me, it could just fit in that way. Yeah. You know, just and, looking for help wherever it's going to come from. Yeah. And uh, dawn, um, I mean, of course, that matches with the idea of sleep. Like mm-hmm. if, if sleep is your is what you need, yeah. you know, yeah. um, then, well, actually dawn is when your sleep is over. Yeah. But then that means the night, the night is over. Exactly. It's the long, dark night of long the soul night. that this guy's experiencing. Yeah. And he's just looking for, for rest. He's looking for his sleep. Yeah. yeah. Just looking for healing from his, I don't know if it's broken heartedness or just heart sick over, over something that's going on. And I think that we're going to kind of see a little bit of this broken heartedness, this, this wounded heart popping up in a couple other songs. I, I wrote down that this song is a cry for sleep to mend my broken heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's in some ways it's a very tender song. It's a song that invites you to, to feel along with the person, to empathize with them, or at least sympathize with them. But musically, it's a really fun song as well. It is super groovy. Yeah. Um, the bass, like we were talking earlier, the bass, it's on the Chapman stick. Yeah. But the bass groove going along in the song is fantastic. Yeah. Matching up really, like Rob and Pete are just, tight on it and it's just got well even in the lyrics you know to a shuffling beat like they're just they're tight in the pocket as the drummers would say yeah fantastic yeah it's a different kind of song it's almost a different genre of music for the oils yeah but uh but there's still uh peter's voice Mm -hmm. over it all you know it's still the oils Yeah. yeah a couple neat effects or little studio things that they throw in there um the kind of the echo effect that they have on the take this heart. heart. Yeah, those, those are really neat. The other guys getting in with the background vocals on the sleep. It's, it's almost mesmerizing at that point, almost trying to lull you into sleep there. Yeah. uh, There's this, uh, ominous piano unfortunately more orchestra hits easily forgive them in this song okay now how about that pretty amazing kick drum thing that happens at three uh, i've got it down here yeah, yeah. how about we play it instead <laughs> of having them here <laughs> 
it's it's cool how they they make these little riffs. This is kind of a ten nine eight thing. Take yeah. a little crazy idea yep. and just do it. Yeah. Only do it once in this case. Yeah. Talking about the Chapman stick being in the song, and if you want to listen for cording on the Chapman stick, I think you you hear it best in the intro to this song. I think you kind of have to know what you're listening for to hear it, or otherwise it might just be some nice musical noise that's happening without knowing how to differentiate it. Yeah. There's a line in here. Yes. Um, that I really love. That's just always stuck with me as well. Our heroes in trouble. Yeah. And I don't really know what it is. To me, it's almost comic booky or or something like yeah, that, like a, a narration over a superhero type thing. An old timey movie. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's just one of the bits of the song that's always stuck with me. You know, talking about our hero. Our hero is down and out. He's yeah. our hero's in trouble. What's going to happen to him? And then uh, that acoustic guitar comes in. I find that really open. Like that feels like sleep or something. That yeah. feels like it's like a relief. Yeah, and they, and they've used that same kind of technique. I remember talking about it on last on the last album too. Yeah, and uh, even uh, postcard postcard does it. Yeah, in, maybe that's what it was in in Lucky Country. I believe hmm. it goes to the acoustic guitar. Do you think that's clarinet? At I the had end? that written down. Okay, yep. yeah, because yep. I was trying to some get... sort of woodwind going on there. Yeah, okay, um, yeah. I wonder what it would be if it's not clarinet. It's so reedy. Yeah. Well, I was. There's another song. Bass that, clarinet. There's another song that I was. I was trying to figure out what sound I was hearing, and I'm thinking, okay, it could be clarinet or some sort of woodwind. It could also be like accordion. Mm. Or uh, what's it called? A uh, melodica. Yeah, but yeah, I I think clarinet. Clarinet's Both of what those I went are to. able to do chord. This is just I think there's no single cl- notes. Single notes. Yeah. So that's what. And I think there are clarinets down in uh, Bakerman and stuff like that. So yes, maybe I feel there are. I, yeah. I'm certain there are. Yeah. So maybe just using just pulling yeah. that clarinet out again. And then during that outro, uh, I think it's Hurst and Maginni. Well, maybe it's uh, Giffo as well. They take over the melody um mm. and kind of lullaby like yep. uh that their final part so anyway sleep i love it favorite song on the album there there are really close second favorite songs but sleep owns it for me congratulations for probably not making it to the halfway point yet robin and i will continue our discussion of red sails in the sunset in just a moment but for now we wanted to thank you for listening to comfortable place on the couch and invite you to contact us for any reason at all we are lonely lonely people (laughs) we're both on twitter you can reach me at darren the folds and robin can be found at robin harbin we keep show notes online for each episode at darrenfolds.com slash podcasts. So thanks again for making this podcast a lot more fun than just two guys sitting in the sunroom on the couches spinning Midnight Oil Records. Let's get back to Red Sails. Bom, bom, bom. Minutes to Midnight. Mm-hmm. We already talked about having the best bass. Yep. Yeah, it's got it's got a few other fun little things going on. Is that is that remember we were talking about like the marimba or the xylophone in a couple songs yes. last? I think it's got that thing going on again in this song. But it's also got is it like a mandolin or a banjo or something coming in there? That could just be an acoustic guitar. Yeah. 
Yeah, it could be. because those are the same kind of sounds that we're going to encounter when we get into the weird bluegrass stuff later. Mm-hmm. It could also be like a dobro. Oh, yeah. Which is, it's like an acoustic pedal steel yeah. guitar where you play it on your lap. Yep. Uh, in one of my bands, uh, the pedal steel player also has a dobro. Okay. I learned that dobro is actually a company name. Not just the name of the instrument, but it's, it's like actually Kleenex or Hoover. Yeah, there yeah. So he has a real dobro, and I got a little lesson on it uh, this week for our gig. There is a little drum solo towards the end. And he throws in a couple. I think it happens. Most times they come through the line. Everybody say, God is a good man, minutes to midnight. They get in an extra half bar there. Ah. So you're counting your one, two, three, fours all the way along, and you get a one, two, one, two, three, four. Everybody say, God is a good man. God is a good man. Okay. The pedal steel dobro player I was just talking about. And we just got his CD from 95. So I'm listening to it with Rihanna. And she was just telling me he is doing that all the time. He's doing the one, two, three, four, and then the one, two. Yeah. And turning around. And he's and they're not they're not doing it enough to make it a, a six four song. Yeah. He's just inserting it every once he, in a while. Yeah, it's like a whole bar is too much. So we're just gonna do yep. two. But I, I don't pick up on these things. She was like, oh, there's another one. There's another one. Well, and the thing so, is, when when it's like a, a 2-4 thrown in to a, the middle of a 4-4 four, four type thing, and it's it's not like changing from an even to an odd where you're going to, if you're bouncing up and down, yeah. you're going to be, you oh, jump into I'm, your buddy. I'm jumping the wrong way now. Yeah. yeah. So it's not as noticeable that way. Yeah. Um, so you're excusing why I don't notice these things, I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think that it's part of a tradition? Because... This song has a couple little bluegrass mm-hmm. kind of thing, like that yep. we were just talking about how it might be Dobro. I wonder if that is a bluegrass country tradition trope. Yeah. Yeah. That they deliberately put in. Perhaps, yeah. yeah. And we just didn't mention we haven't talked about Pete's vocal delivery much this album so far. Okay. He gets a real good falsetto. Uh And you can't see Real gravelly. Raspy. Yep. For whatever reason, we both mentioned Farlap as we were, you know, just sitting down, getting comfortable okay, on the yeah, couch. Okay, we didn't talk about and the that, lyrics, right? That is Minutes to Midnight. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. So the song title, Minutes to Midnight, of course, is referring to the doomsday clock. Yes. How dangerously close we're getting to... Probably in this case, nuclear Armageddon taking a look at the cover. But, you know, this the doomsday clock isn't necessarily about the world blowing up. It could be, you know, imploding due to environmental disasters and stuff like that as well. Interesting side note, in 84, when this song was written, the people who keep track of the time on the doomsday clock had it set at 11.57. This is in the in the Reagan-Soviet Three Union showdown era. Exactly. Yeah. Today, when we're recording this in May of 2017, yeah, 11:57 and 30 seconds. Wow, we're actually closer. We're closer according now. to the Doomsday Clock people. Yep, and that has to do with um, North Korea. 
North Korea, um, the kind of the new arms race between the current president of the United yeah. States and the Soviet Union, and also um, environmental concerns. Yeah. Yeah. So amazingly, we are worse off. In the 90s, they rolled it back to mm-hmm. quarter two, 15 minutes to oh, wow. apparently. That's crazy. And now they've crept it all the way up past where it was in the mid 80s. Okay. I'm just going to put this out there. When were Midnight Oil at their height? Late 80s, early 90s? Yep. When was the doomsday clock rolling back? Yep. Late 80s, early 90s? They'd done their job. But we haven't had the oils front and center for so long, and what's happened? Uh-oh, good thing they're on tour. Yep. Making a comeback, going to save the world. That's what we're hoping. That's what we're hoping for. Yep. Jimmy Sharman. Here we are, Jimmy Sharman. Second longest Midnight Oil song. The only one longer is Darren's favorite. Lucky Country? Nothing lost, nothing gained, right? At eight is that and a my half. favorite? Oh, isn't it? I'll have to look back. It changes all the time. <laughs> Darren's one-time favorite song. Wasn't that the one you're campaigning to hear? The Not nothing lost, nothing gained. Wait, what did I say? You said nothing lost, nothing gained. Oh. I think that you meant what to say... What have you been campaigning to, to I've hear? I've been campaigning for Is It Now? Oh, you've been campaigning for Is It Now? Yeah. Wouldn't you rather hear Is It Now? Oh, I'd like to hear either, actually. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take either. Or either. Either? Either or either. No, I've been campaigning. Folks, Yeah. send your tweets to at Midnight Oil Band and tell them that you want to hear Is It Now in Toronto. Yeah. And if <laughs> that doesn't work... Just enjoy the show. Just enjoy the show. Keep your cameras out of my face. That's right. Don't worry. You, hey, I'm reiterating take... my the rule about filming. Yep. Right? Hold the camera in front of your own face. That's a good rule, and it'll be helpful for the other people in the crowd. It's not going to bother me because I'm going well, I'm to be at you. the front. I'm telling all the... Are you going to make it to the front? That's my plan. That is what you're doing. I, I think... Maybe you should put on a bit more mass. You've gotten kind of skinny lately. Why, well, thank you. And I'm kind of worried uh, about your ability to make it... I'll, I'll eat a lot of cookies this week. I'm not sure cookies will do it. <laughs> okay. Jimmy Sharman. I have to say, Jimmy Sharman, now this is another, I still haven't decided my favorite song for the album. Oh, yeah. But this is a runner. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because this song blew me away when I heard this in the 80s. Yeah. I didn't know you could do this with a song. I didn't know you could paint uh, such a story, mm-hmm. uh, have such an emotional impact. Yep. Both lyrically and musically. Uh, lyrically and musically put me in that place. That's what it did. I was there, you know, like I was in the first and last hotel. Yep. I was in there in those fights. I was getting punched. Yep. That's what it felt like. Oh yeah, for sure. So because of that, this is definitely a contender. The contender, here. yeah. Yeah. So anybody who thought I didn't like this album, I'm I'm just saying it's a great album. This is a great song. There's there's choices to be made about the great song, the greatest song on the album. Yes, yeah. I'm still trying to decide. Okay, so so is, tell is us this... about you're you're the Australian expert. Tell us what Jimmy Sharman, who he is, and what's going on here. I don't know if I'll get all the details, yeah. but this is this is a fella that rounded up Aboriginal people mm-hmm. and toured them around and had them fight each other. Yep, and and, and perhaps put... you you could pay to fight them if you were a. a a European Australian as well, right? That may be it. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh Well, even at, if you listen, it's it's hard to make out. 
but I think even the intro, when you hear like the, the Barker calling out yeah. at the beginning, I think he's even saying, have a round with one of the boys. So speaking of that intro, is that the first time on Oil's album where we've heard... Almost like radio drama or something like that, right? Yeah, you know, bring it in. Yeah, there's another word for it. But anyway, it, it sure sets the mood for the song. Yeah, yeah there's these echoey, uh, very contemplative guitar lines mm-hmm. with lots of echo. It almost is a little uh, police-like. interesting drums at the beginning yeah um, echoing back and forth. like you you get the hit and then you get the echo but it hits in one ear and echoes in the other ear yeah and the later drums they get they get very heavily processed later on the song totally maybe even the electronic um pads that we were talking about earlier yeah and you know what i like about that the thumping electronic toms to me it sounds like body blows like yeah. shots to it's the like kidneys punches. yes throughout yeah. the whole song It's the fighting. Yeah. It's the, it's the punching. It's the yep. hitting. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we don't make light of that because it's. Oh, yeah. It's pretty it's despicable. Yeah. And then there's even a break in the middle where there's vocals and there is a bit of audio again. Yeah, under. that's right. There's that silence and then you hear the crowd in the background. Yeah, and then there's about the full two minutes of outro. Oh, yeah. Almost um, where the horns start joining Bring in. And those horns. And Pete sings. Like, it's like the horns are playing. Yeah. And then Pete responds to them. You, instead yep. of the, you know, the vocal and their response. Yeah. It's this call and response. But it's the horns, which I, I guess you'd be thinking, could those be like <laughs> salvation? Could those be like oh, doing yeah, the right yeah. thing? Sure. Uh, and then Pete responds, why are we fighting? Yeah. Even more than why are we fighting? It turns the tables back on us too. Right. And says, yeah. why are you paying for this? Yeah. Why are you paying for this? Yeah. yeah. Just talking about how they paint the picture so well with the sounds in addition to the lyrics and stuff, yeah. even with Rob playing, he's got the bell in there at some point and it's just, oh yeah, that's, that's the boxing rail. Yeah. The ring, the boxing side ring bell. Bell. We're real boxing fans, so you can tell that yeah. we know the Boy, terminology. Boy, we know boxing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me that the song is not about boxing kangaroos? Correct. Okay. Well done. We've just had the second longest song ever. Yeah. Now we go to the shortest Midnight Oil song ever. Could be. I wouldn't be surprised. Almost certain. 55 seconds long yep. total. We don't even know, do we, if any oils played on this song. Okay, yeah. Probably it was just the studio musicians. Like, we, we don't know, I Pro- guess. No, it doesn't sound, and, and we don't know how great of brass players or clarinet players or whatever the band is, yeah. but it doesn't sound like it's super sophisticated playing. No, but don't we know that they brought in these Japanese... Yeah, we do know that. This Japanese but orchestra. Rob wrote it. Okay, Um. oh, here we go. Bakerman instrumental by Hearst. Yeah. Yeah. It is just him. Yeah. That's cool. So like, th- is he playing it? I don't know. Did he <laughs> maybe just wrote it and other folks are yeah, playing like it? Yeah. Like he knows? wrote it and then had the musicians play it. Now, Rob wrote with Jim. He wrote Jimmy Sharman's Boxers. Yeah. The end of Bakerman, I think, is an echo 
of Jimmy Sherman's boxers. Let me play this for you. Oh. Here's the end of Bakerman. What do you think? Yeah. When I, I remember in the 80s listening to this, like I, we were kids. Yeah. Uh, well, not kids. Young teens. We were teens yeah. in our teens. And I guess I did imagine, I thought, this is what a weird thing to put on a Midnight Oil album. Yeah. But, well, maybe they all play these instruments. And yeah. they just thought, yeah. you know, I was in... And it, it's Band. kind of a, it's kind of a rough recording too. Like you hear the clicking and clacking yes. of the clarinet say keys, that. or maybe the trumpet keys. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, either the trumpet or the clarinet. Mm. Uh, the valves are clacking. Yeah, yeah. It strikes me because I was listening through headphones when I'm walking. I, I don't have a ghetto blaster on my shoulder as I'm walking around town. Do you wear those great big headphones while no, you walk? I, I wear earbuds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but there's like the two brass parts. Yeah. Uh, back and forth. In stereo. Well, yeah, it starts off because there's a tuba on one side yeah. and a trombone on the other side. Oh, That's is that what, what it is. I think it's okay. a tuba. It's a tuba and a trombone blasting quarters at each other yeah. or halves at each other. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. And that reminds me, I'm gonna bring my trombone in the checked luggage down to Toronto. Get out. No, I'm not. <laughs> Unless Jim tweets me and says, "Yeah, yeah bring your trombone. You can play along." <laughs> He's not going to do that. No, he's not. <laughs> and you don't have the embouchure for that anymore anyway. Oh, man. But I could develop it in five days if yeah, I needed no, to. No, you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a trombone too. and I've. <laughs> Let's do Baker Man. Yeah. For our no, cover. Ugh. Okay, do you think there are four or five instruments in this? This is my question. You, you don't I'd, care. I'd, I'd, I, no, it's not that I don't care. Yeah. I just haven't tried to yeah, figure it out. Yeah, my daughter and I were kind of trying to decide this nerd i'm going yes but i was thinking this is the short song ever man we can analyze this okay one. hang on for a second i'm reading rob hurst's <laughs> willie's bar and grill oh, he's talking about the powder workers at one point except he doesn't call them the powder workers he talks about like these obsessive fans that just get into all the minutiae of what's going on what, exactly what we're <laughs> exactly doing exactly what we're doing he calls us the chowder workers the chowder workers <laughs> That's good. Okay, so with this chowder worker, how many instruments yeah, this did he chowder count? Worker, so, uh, yeah. so I was trying to decide, are there four instruments or five instruments? You got your tuba and your trombone at the beginning, yep. I think. Then a clarinet comes in. Yep. Then a trumpet comes in. So we're at four. Yep. But does a second trumpet come in on at the, the harmonies yeah, yeah. towards the very end? Yeah. That's the question. And it's interesting that they didn't put any strings in this composition that they kept at uh, brass and woodwind. Probably. If only be just because they've got so much strings on it, yeah. it's like, well, we have him play. But yeah. anyway, that's not what it was composed for. Okay, that's enough of Bakerman. Thank you. Let's flip the record. Let's flip the record. <laughs> Congratulations, you've made it to about the halfway point <laughs> yeah. of the podcast. And we're talking about who can stand in the way. Who can stand in the way. Well, those orchestra hits are back, Darren. I'm just going to say it that one time. Okay. Uh, and this is another song for the Power and the Passion disco collection. Nick Lane <laughs> said, wouldn't it be hilarious if Midnight Oil was a disco band. Did, did a disco song. We thought that was the funniest thing ever. Yep. So we did it three more times on the next album. <laughs> and here's one of them. I like how it starts. Is it backwards guitars that it's starting with? 
Wait, are we listening to the Pet Shop Boys now? It did sound a bit like the Pet Shop Boys. But did you hear that bass and drums groove? We've already talked about lots. Are you convinced that this is another one for the collection? It's definitely very groovy. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even when we were talking about like the the disco song on 1098 yeah. we were saying well i don't know if it's really disco yeah nick but was dancing. calling it yeah, yeah nick was calling it a disco song okay so every album we're looking for lucky country yeah. we're looking for the disco hits we're looking for the profiteers the, the disco hits is a, is a new category though starting That's, with 1098 okay which i think is going to die it's de- like it it only lasts for two albums it lasts for two albums that's good yeah that's good yeah reading the liner notes for species diseases there's a very like they take a stab back. I like how they yeah. kind of bash themselves yeah. retroactively. Like, yeah. This song is the other Chapman stick song. Again, it sounds like a chorusy bass to me. Um, not dissing Peter Gifford at all yeah. for his playing on it. It's is it necessary to have Chapman stick on the song? Probably not. Yeah, uh, I think I read that he had actually bought this new Ibanez bass at the same time. And I one... have an Ibanez bass. Well, how about that? I'm just like Peter Gifford. <laughs> so I think he wanted some Ibanez style bass okay. on it. But then Nick told him, no, no, I want you stick. to play the stick on this one. Right. And he was like, well, okay. Okay. I don't think I have a lot to say about this until we get to the new song. Okay. I, I don't have a lot to say about it either. Um, I do really like the, like, there's a couple times in my notes that I've, I've written little hearts. <laughs> I don't dot my eyes with hearts like a 12 year old girl. Yeah. I did put a little heart beside the, the, the you're, guitar solo at the end of best of both worlds. Your, your printing is always being a bit girly. Can we, can we say that? Check the show notes. I'll upload a picture of this and you can tell us whether it's girly printing or not, <laughs> but there's this really plucky rhythmic guitar. Let me play it for you. It's More of that dance stuff. <laughs> I like it. You it's like it's it. really riffy and groovy. I like it. Get down, man. I'm going to be the guy at the front why it and is center just... at the Toronto show doing my Saturday yeah. Night Fever moves. <laughs> yeah, so proof that this really is disco, even though you, you disagreed. There you... Well, I think you just alluded to it. We're, we're getting to... Um, it's disco guitar. Disco guitar. And you know what? I think probably this album would, or this album, this show would be a good one to throw that uh, link to the to the disco cretin in the show what? notes as well. The disco cretin. Oh the... yeah! Oh, this nasty rant that Pete goes off on. Oh, I think I included it on one of the early shows. <laughs> um, oh, and he brings up this disco cretin guy and talking about how <laughs> disco's like the worst thing going on ever. Oh yeah! I'll oh, go check I... the show notes. Is there like a recording of that though? Oh yeah, and he he actually gets you know pretty vulgar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, you were you were talking earlier, and I think you just referred to it now. You're talking bluegrass, but yeah. I want to suggest that we're talking about surf music's bucktooth cousin, rockabilly. <laughs> yes, I, I can go with rockabilly. Yeah. as much as and it comes up a few times on the album. Yeah, yeah. So, like, this is one of those two-for-one songs. It's actually just the last 25 seconds of the song yeah. or so, but this uh, acoustic guitar riff comes in. Um, it's just this fast acoustic guitar bit with these bluesy yeah. riffs on it. Yeah. 
which to me are bluegrass, but I'll, I'll take uh, rockabilly, rockabilly ish as well. Yeah. And, and so we're thinking acoustic guitar, not banjo, mandolin, dobro type thing. Acoustic guitar, maybe, uh, maybe banjo, because uh, it does have that extra trebly sound, yeah. uh, or maybe a resonator guitar. Um, oh yeah, which, that's one of those steel ones, yeah, like on well, the cover it, of Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms. Well, it's yeah, it's like an acoustic guitar, but it has a metal insert yeah. Yeah. that shake, almost like putting a tambourine-ish yeah. Yeah. thing. Yeah, is that the best way? Anyway, yes, yeah, so a resonator. It, if it is a banjo, though, Jim, get in touch. I can bring my banjo with my trombone. Your banjo is terrible, right? <laughs> like, isn't your banjo, like, really horrible? Are you talking about the actual banjo or my banjo abilities? Both. Okay, but, thank but... you. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there yeah. if you need a hand. Yeah, just in case Jim needs some help. I just want to throw in there that um, that they're either adding a couple two-beat bars um, during the intro or getting some oh. of the 6-4 happening in here. During the, just, just during the bluegrass part, though? No, the intro of the oh, song. Oh, during the yeah, actual Just song. for the folks who are interested in the in the non-standard time signatures. Yeah. Um, but yeah, who can stand in the way when there's a dollar to be made? We were talking about this just before the show. Another one of those kind of on-the-surface songs. I think you, you, you summarized it pretty well. Who can stand in the way of progress? Who can stand in the way of big business? Who can yep. stand in the way of exploitation? Yep, coming in and taking your your land, your natural resources. Yeah, this is what... It's all in there. Yeah. I summarized the song by putting three dollar signs on it. So are we moving on to Kosciuszko? I think it's about time. So here's the big acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. Was it on 1098 where it's like, here's acoustic gu- guitar and then they switch to electric or is it the other way around? Like, here's the electric. Oh yeah, we're going to give you rock. No, we aren't. Switcheroo. Yeah, switcheroo. You know what's neat about this album? Again, like stepping back a month, I was a month ago, I was looking forward to 1098 and Red Sails because this is where I'm going to get my my 80s orchestra hit fix, right? Yeah. Keys and synths and stuff. There's so much, like even more, I think, than 1098 in this album. If there's not more acoustic guitar in this album, I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, I can hear so much diesel and dust coming up in this album because of the acoustic guitars. And Kosciuszko is one of those songs that that makes me think, oh, of course, this is just a natural progression on the way to diesel and dust era Midnight Oil. Yeah, yeah, definitely 1098. Yeah, I guess we'd have to measure it to see did did the acoustic guitars come in just about as strong on 1098 as as this one. But you're right, Kosciuszko's got I mean we we talked about the huge guitars yeah on 1098 cuz they did happen quite oh, a few yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. And that's right. And there's more of that here and yeah, that's continuation. And thankfully they dropped the orchestra hits on Diesel <laughs> and Dust, but <laughs> Well, they even dropped the acoustic guitars on on Species Diseases, too. Oh, yeah, too. Species so it's kind Diseases. Of, it's kind of its own... And not because it's an EP, but yeah, it's... It's its own it's, thing. Yeah, I think... Yeah, we'll talk about that we, next time. We will time talk about that next time. some other time. Yeah. Yeah, so Kosciuszko's got is is definitely the other contender for my favorite song on the album. Yeah. Uh, best that, drums going on. That or big intro. Really yeah, good drums. You already voted this best drums, yep. right? Yeah, yeah, and it's got the big loud guitars. Yeah, uh, you've got Rob singing it. Rob taking lead vocals again on this one, I think. Yes. Yep. And Giffo doing the BGVs, which he does 
all the time, but to me, it's quite prominent. They're extra doing prominent here, yeah. yeah. Okay. This does have a guitar solo, uh, yep. big, big sing-along chorus, yes. right? It's yeah. this, uh, just sing. And then towards the end, while it's all winding down, the okay. orchestra comes in. Or should yeah, we not get b- there before yet? we wind yeah. down, um, I really like the guitar work, um, the strumming, especially like in the choruses. It's kind of got like this leaning back almost like a backbeat kind of thing going on. You know, don't want to confuse that with dance music or anything like that. (laughs) But I quite enjoy that. This isn't fooling me into be like, this isn't a disco song. No, no, no. And that acoustic guitar, this is part of the amazing thing is that both Martin and Jim must be doing that together for this, this huge acoustic guitar in this song. Yeah. And they're able to do that so tightly. Very tight. Yeah. You wanted to talk about the drunk Japanese orchestra. <laughs> yeah, that that's what's going on here, right? Yeah. Is the famous, this outro. Apparently, they got the orchestra to come in to play this ending. Yeah. This big string symphony. And they did it perfectly. And they did it perfectly. And it was like, that's too good. That's too tight. That's yep. too precise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we want it a bit looser. So how are we going to do this? They did quite a few takes. Can't you yep. just do it a little bit less precise? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently they ordered in a bunch of wine. Sake. And sake. Is yep. that it? Yeah. Yep. And uh, after, after a couple, what they figured out the magic amount was like two glasses each or okay. something like yep. that. It was yep. like, yeah, it, apparently it went downhill, but that was the best one. Okay. I really like Kosciuszko. Yeah. Except I'm going to tell you a little bit of a niggly problem Ooh, I have with it. Nigglies. Okay. Nigglies. I anticipate when I listen to Kosciuszko, and, and maybe it's from hearing live versions and stuff like this, like I expect Kosciuszko to like super kick it out big time. To me, this should be the Head Injuries fans song on the album. Mm. That's what I expect it to be. It never quite lives up to my expectations as far as energy and power and urgency as I think the song could be, and perhaps as the song is when they play it live. Yeah, well, anything that ends with the symphony, <laughs> right? Yeah. Probably isn't but, going to... But I'm even thinking in the song itself. You've got your acoustic guitars playing, yeah. and they're doing a fantastic job of being powerful acoustic guitars. This is about the best acoustic guitar rock imaginable. I can imagine it being a little bit better, and it doesn't quite get you, there for can me. Can you think of an example of in in the real world of recording when there has been a better acoustic rock? Come back to me in a month, and I'll have one for you. Ah, so I think what's happening here is that this is an extremely rocking song. Mm-hmm. Oh but, yeah, but there's an inherent limitation. When you've got a rock and acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. it can just never go where head injuries went. And maybe that's it, but I think that we're going to find something. I think that we're going to find acoustic rocking even more powerful than Kosciuszko. On D&D? In a few weeks. You you just wait and you'll see. I have see. to wait. You won't see. You won't. No. Okay. All right. We'll see if it happens. Do you want to talk about the guitar solo? Is that a guitar solo happening like between 245 and 316? There is one like For there. those of you keeping track keeping at home. Keeping track, there's a guitar solo. 
the lyrics that encapsulate the meaning of the song are in the chorus. No end to the hostility, no stranger to the brutality. This is a song uh, of the Europeans coming to the country, exploiting not only the land, but the people as well. Yeah, so this is uh, lyrically, it's the same themes Mm -hmm. that we see in The Dead Heart and uh, Beds Are Burning. And I think Rob says, apparently I've been taking in a lot of Rob Hurst the last couple of weeks since since we last recorded, but I think Rob was saying in one of his interviews that this was the first song that he attempted writing as... um, uh, from the Aboriginal point of view, it may not be the first one they ended up recording, yeah. but first one that he was writing from that point of view. I was talking earlier about the brokenhearted, the wounded hearts um, with sleep. I think that thread kind of comes in just a little bit again into Kosciuszko, bind up the brokenhearted. No, don't turn away. Yeah. And I mean, we didn't include Jimmy Sherman's boxers. No, but uh, yeah, but totally. Obviously, yeah. Yeah. Kosciuszko blends into Helps Me Helps You. Yeah, it does. They are overlapping tracks, yep. and the oils tend to do that deliberately. Yeah, when they've got something to link together. Yeah. I guess we'll be looking for the link between Kosciuszko and Helps Me Helps You, mm-hmm. if there is one. Yes. Can can I summarize Helps Me Helps You with one word? Yes. Didgeridoo! Didgeridoo. It's, it's got this fantastic didgeridoo Mm -hmm. and then it builds up and somehow helps me helps you turns into a different song other oil songs just go into like here's psalm part two or three you can often it's an abrupt delineate it quite striking yeah an abrupt change while this one kind of morphs mm. into a bow diddly kind of guitar solo that happens in this. And it's even, I was looking up Skiffle. Do you yeah, remember yeah. Oh, about, yeah, I know Skiffle. Yeah, like you, the origins of the Beatles music. Yeah, before the Skiffle. That's yeah. where the Beatles were playing yep. at the beginning. Totally. Yeah, and so I'm hearing some pretty strong early yep. rock. That, yeah. The, the very earliest rock, bow diddly, Skiffle. That's what the song turns into later. Mm-hmm. The song begins, you've got the fade, and you've got these distant voices shouting out can't quite make out exactly what they're saying there but it sounds like a chant or something i think i can i can make out something about lies the whole world is a lie then the didgeridoo yeah wells up yeah and then it's just Basically, it's the the drums. It's yeah. a snare. Yeah, it's a, it's brushes on the snare. Yeah, brushes and just that very strong didge rhythm. Yeah, and then the great walking bass line comes in. And it's not just walking, it's he's doing slides and stuff. The Digi even gets a solo. The Didgeridoo solo. Yeah. And then there's like a almost I'm maybe I'm overusing the word rockabilly here, but you've you've got a guitar solo here, kind of like a early blues rock rockabilly solo. Yeah, I, I was saying it's, it sounds like a Bo Diddley. That was your Bo Diddley. Yeah, yep. it sounds like a Bo Diddley solo to me. I also thought there was a key change later in the song, but uh, 
Rihanna informs me. She straightened you out. She, yeah, as my, as my daughter always does, uh, that uh, all the verses are in D and the choruses are all in E. I keep switching keys for the verse and the chorus. Okay, cool. Yeah, so what, what do you think the, the thematic connection is? Because we were talking about how Helps Me Helps You seems to be about a politician. Yep. Uh, or maybe if it's not about a politician, is it just the deal maker? Is this the same as here we have all these treaties here in Canada? Yeah. Yeah. We have all these treaties that were made, the Indigenous folks, when uh, our first governments came in, they'd make these deals. It's like, here's mm-hmm. some blankets and you'll give us, here's our land. You know? Yeah. So I think that's a very astute observation. So maybe that's what it is. And then, and, and then that ties in even better with Kosciuszko, doesn't it? Yeah, um, certainly does. Well done, Mr. Harbin. Well, thanks. You maybe, nailed that one. Maybe I did. <laughs> we will see. Now we get to the last three songs of the album. Ooh. And folks saying, oh, okay. This is where Red Sails really loses me. These last three songs. Okay, here we go. Harrisburg. This was the first oil song I did not like. I remember when I first got into this, we, we listened to Diesel and Dust first. Yep. Then I bought, we bought Red Sails in 1098. Pretty much. Pretty much I at the same time. Yeah. I can't remember for sure. But I remember that breath sample, that... Just drove me crazy in my youth. Yeah. It just really bugged me. I remember telling Ahileus, Ahil, there's the song. Does this annoy you as much as they? He was like, ah, it's pretty annoying. That noise was just a sound that we made in our youth. Like, was it just something that we would do every once in a while to each other? And was that Ahileus that kind of started with that? Or I went, was well, that us well, and Ron? I, well, I certainly introduced it to Ahileus, yeah. but maybe he turned it around and made it the, the running gag. Like, do you remember doing that? <gasps> you, you can't end it. See, you're ending it. Yeah. Like an Australian <gasps> would. A Canadian. <laughs> <gasps> That's pretty good. Thank well, you. Well, how, how'd they get that sound then? Like, who... If an Australian can't do it. I don't know. They must have brought in a Canadian to do it. That does not mean that I hate the song, but this this really was... Okay, basically, I love every Midnight Oil song ever. Mm-hmm. From every album, mm-hmm. even like Breathe and... Oh, yeah. And like, whatever. You yeah. know, any of the most maligned albums, Yep, I love them. Yep. Love all the songs. Including Harrisburg. But when you were a kid, but when first kid, listening to it. Harrisburg, if if there was ever a Midnight Oil song I wanted to skip, mm-hmm. especially once CDs were around where you yep. just press a button to skip, yep. uh, I was listening to this on tape originally, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I remember listening uh, to 1098, and I remember listening to Red Sails on tape, and I had, like, the auto-reversing tape. Yeah. And, yeah, it, like, these tapes would just loop for hours and hours and hours in the basement. <gasps> Now we're back to real synths that sound really synthy. Yeah, and oh, I, I, really and I like it. Yeah, uh, the pulsing. You got sliding bass. You do. You got the piano that's really effective, really processed. I mm-hmm. think it's a real piano, okay. but heavily processed. Yep. Uh, doing simple lines, and then we get to the weird synth voice solo.
Oh yeah, that is bizarre, eh? I know that you know these guys that I'm about to talk about, and I'm, I'm sure many of the musicians who listen to the podcast know about this YouTube channel. Uh, Rob Chapman, Anderton's Music, they do like gear review. Well, Anderton's is actually a shop that sells stuff. Yeah. But they have one, they reviewed this pedal. This Japanese guitar oh, pedal. I saw that episode. That was their most popular one ever. I, I think, think eh? so. Yeah. It is yeah. hilarious. And when I was listening to the song again this time, for the first time in probably a few years since I've heard it, I was thinking, oh, is it, I don't even know if it's called the Miku Aku pedal or whatever it is. I, oh, it sounds just like that. Mop, mop. Blah, 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 blah. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, oop, yeah, oop, oop, thing. oop. Blah, 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 blah. I'll, <laughs> I'll put a link to the, to the video in the show notes. <laughs> It's bizarre. Yeah. What is that? that yeah, it's just, it's, and they're just rolling around laughing, right? Because oh they, yeah, exactly. Their guitar gets turned into a Japanese girl. Yeah, and it, it makes these kind of weird yeah. noises. <laughs> so what's Jim thinking? Bok 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 you know, I don't remember hating the song. Yeah. I don't remember thinking I wish I could skip it. I actually do have fond memories of this song. Yeah. Yeah. So so if I can speak for Rihanna, I, okay. I brought this up and she loves this song. She thinks it's so ominous and it sounds oh, like yeah. it sounds like a cool science fiction movie to her. Well, there's and, that really ominous oh. chord happening. <laughs> Yeah, near near the end, there's fantastic sci-fi. Oh yeah, sound soundscape well, kind and of stuff. Even the in the song that that's my voice, by the way. Yeah, very well done. Okay, what's the purpose of that? I'm thinking. Okay, I'm making connections with Darth Vader, yeah. but and and that brings quickly brings me to that's a respirator unit. That is, you know, the folks at Harrisburg getting in there, shutting down the plant and stuff like that, wearing their the radiation suits, those are their breathers. Yeah. I think there's a purpose to to everything that's in there. I don't uh, know yeah. what the Ewok Muppet noises are for. The Ewok Muppet noises. <laughs> bark, bark, bark. <laughs> beep, 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 beep. Yum, yum, yum. I hope some of those get in the, <laughs> the final one. And I'm not sure I knew what Harrisburg was back then or I did. whatever. Do you yeah, know why even, I know what Harrisburg was? Even then? No. Oh, yeah, definitely even then. Because on the same day that Harrisburg melted down. Okay. Yeah. In case somebody doesn't know what this song is about, this is about the Three Mile Island nuclear uh, accident at at the power plant so in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The biggest American yes. nuclear accident. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it happened in March of 1979 on the exact same day that I had open heart surgery in oh, Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I knew about your surgery. Same day. Same day. And so, so it was in the newspaper together. Like it was like <laughs> folds Her- receives folds. heart surgery. Yeah, folds survives heart Harrisburg surgery as Harrisburg. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's. I think that's what the Winnipeg Free Press had on wow. that day. Yeah, that's fantastic. Oh, so and do you know the scandal about this song? No. Who wrote the song? I, Go ahead, take a look. Okay, okay, okay. And it says here, oh, by Kevin's. Uh huh. Who's Kevin? Dennis Kevin's. Um, he was a big poet in Australia. I had to look this stuff up. And so he wrote a poem called Harrisburg O Harrisburg. And depending on where you go to read about this thing, 
the pro Kevin's websites are saying, yeah, the oils basically lifted the poem, didn't credit him, didn't pay him and ended up settling out of court with them. You know, he's got credit right here on the album. Yeah. Uh, at so least this pressing, yeah, like a so later pressing. They're acknowledging him. Yeah. So it, at least based upon influence by some of the lines probably lifted straight out of, I, I spent quite a bit of time actually looking for a copy of the poem so yeah. I could compare it side by side. Wasn't like, able to find it. Yeah, so the poem's like nowhere. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got to buy the book. Yeah. Yeah, poets got to make And then you'll find out that it, the only line actually stolen was... Harrisburg or oh, Harrisburg. Harrisburg. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? But yeah, so uh, Dennis Kevins, they made some joke about his title. Basically, he's like the poet laureate of Australia. I do want to say that the, uh, Harris, Stone Harrisburg... Uh, the song that I hate so much we talked about for the longest yet. Do you even like me that yeah. <laughs> That That the bass really gets to drive so much of this song. It's sliding around, yeah. doing these ominous, some really weird, cool stuff. Yeah, and, and I do want to say how, how moody this song, with that breath, yeah, if you can think that you're in, uh, I suppose, in a, video, a very dark, ominous kind of video game, like a modern video game uh, or movie, and there is that sci-fi almost saying yeah if you're descending into like the heart of the nuclear reactor or whatever it is yeah that into, they have to into do. the containment building into the containment yeah um so it does that well yeah no I, okay i i don't hate it nearly as much as you do in fact <laughs> well I, I like it i think i'm saying that i don't actually hate the song i just <laughs> was and still am somewhat annoyed by the breath bells and horns is such a close second favorite of mine yeah yeah, so, this is yeah. a great song. It's an, it's one of the two-for-one songs. Yep. So you've got the surfy, perhaps surfy love song to start things out. Not musically surfy. But actual, this this is probably a surfer Yeah. lamenting about trying to get one last wave in before he goes to see his girl. Um, the beginning of it, you know, taking his girl home or missing missing his girl at the end of the night. It, it's a fine, short little song. Um at least part one of Bells and Horns, yeah. ending with when will I be yours, when will you be mine type thing. Just that 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 yearning, that longing for for another. But we don't have to dwell on that too long because we get the second half of Bells and Horns yeah. right after the first half. Which is a good half. Okay, this is what I wanted to ask you about. I have listened to one song from the break. Yeah. Space Farm. Yes. Great song. Love it. Yeah. Now, what we have with Bells and Horns here is fantastic. Yes. If I didn't like sleep as much as I did the song yeah. and the actual act of sleeping, yeah. easily I would pick this for my favorite song on the album. Yeah. This is just so much fun. Is this what the break is about? Oh, yeah. The break does a lot of this. Sign me up. Oh, yeah. I am totally into this. Yeah. yeah What's they... taken me so long? Well, I don't know. But... I have to ask, what took the oils so long to finally record a surf song? Like, why did it take? Well, until Red Sails, there's always been this association between the oils and surfing. And we know that Pete is yeah. uh There's surf reference surfer. in music, in lyrics. Yeah. There are elements of surf music throughout the catalog. Like, I think we've heard it straight from the beginning. What about Wedding Cake Island? Yeah, it's it's a it's a surf 
Yes. It's not as surfy. Like this is straight out of Hawaii Five O. This is the Ventures. This is the Surfaris. This is awesome. And I want more of it. <laughs> so as soon as we plow our way through the oils catalog, I'm going to start listening to me some break. I like the tom work in the song. Like, it's classic surf toms, the rolling toms. You got the massive tremolo guitars. Like, we could we could dissect the song. I don't think we need to, to say yeah. that this is fantastic. And if you do not love this, what's wrong with you? Yeah. I'm a Canadian. I live in the frozen tundra. And I love this stuff. We, we do live next to the largest lake in the world. But yeah, and people surf on Lake Superior all the time, up and down the coast. Yes, we know miles it's... Miles and miles and miles of swell and smile. Yeah, we know it's no ocean. Hang on. But... Best line of the whole album? Yeah. Cool and Gata, what's the matter? I want that on a t-shirt. Put it on the merch table, I'll buy it. Oh, and how about that? Classic surf, I don't know, I was thinking like Tarzani kind of yeah. yodel, yell type thing happening there. And the yep. breathing apparatus from Harrisburg comes back. The breathing apparatus. <laughs> maybe they're doing some scuba diving now, maybe, I don't know. Maybe they are. And then we get an organ plus guitar solo, yes. but we're not going to dissect this song. No, we're it's just going to say it's fantastic. Yeah. And for me, it is like super close to being favorite. Let's finish it off. Shipyards of New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So are those, is that like a glockenspiel at yeah. the beginning there? Yeah, is it a xylophone? Is it a marimba? Glock, okay, the glock, you hold it upright. It's kind of got that U-shape, kind of harpy type shape around the outside. And oh, really? Ding, 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 ding. That's a glock. Oh, that's the glock. Okay. Yeah. Xylophone is flat on a table and you mallet it with yeah. two hands. And a marimba is very similar, but I think we decided that's is that wooden. Is that wood, the wood blocks yeah. rather than the metal. metal? Yeah. Yeah. And these ghostly background vocals. Yes. Yeah. It's like a bunch of ghosts The singing. very breathy. <sighs> no. Not more of that. Yeah, so it's it's a very atmospheric like all three songs that we're got that we get at the end of the album here yeah. are moody, atmospheric. Yes. Then we have the synth bass coming yep. in. Very low. Organs, acoustic guitars, electric guitars. Very thin tremolo type thing going on. Yeah. Kind of got everybody coming in here. Yeah. We even get some six eight. Oh, do we? Towards the end. Okay. Yeah. Well, isn't sure. there I sort of think this song has yep. a second part. Yeah, there's definitely two songs for the price of one here as yeah. well. It's a, it's a much stronger. You've got strings and unison vocals coming in. Then you've you've got the guitar squeals even coming back in. Yeah. So like you're you're bringing back you're just you're just appealing to the head injuries crowd again here, saying, "Come on, there's something here for you too." Yeah. 
Is it the entire band that sing that that I can get lost? I can get confused. It's like everybody's singing there, isn't it? Pretty much. Like Very, four, it there could like be four voices. Yeah. Or... I I haven't counted. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> how many how many trumpets? That is crossing the line. Eh? That's <laughs> that's where I get nerdy. I'm sorry. It's oh, okay. Yes. It's no. just funny. It's like yeah. There. <laughs> now you're a nerd. <laughs> Up until there, not, I was tracking with you the whole way. Not, not doing this whole podcast is nerdy or anything. No, no, it's just like, not, not at all. No, you, you were counting the number of voices. Now you're a chowder worker. Yeah. <laughs> you chowder worker. Wow. Yeah, if we, if we okay. do manage to meet once Rob. You, once you hit the 20 minutes talking about your drum stuff, yeah. then you become a chowder worker. Chowder worker. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure for Rob, it's like five minutes. Is uh, But how long did he talk on that business show? It was, a, it was a long yeah, one. Yeah, he's the chowder worker there. What is Shipyards of New Zealand about? It's a tough one to crack, eh? Yeah, I heard, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, that it's about the U.S. taking over New Zealand shipbuilding yards as naval bases or as... And and that would not be unexpected for lyrical content. I don't know why I had this weird the theory that this was somehow like about a sheep. <laughs> The like, sheepyards of New Zealand? Like, no, no, not, not about the sheepyards, but but it sounded like it was first person sheep. <laughs> so from the point of view of a sheep? Yes. <laughs> but but I'm also going to say, you know, I've since um, mostly discounted that theory. Mostly? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> This is staying in. I made, I made Rihanna laugh with this one too. Um, okay, I'll, I'll give you my. Uh... I'm going to make you a huge Bristol board sign for the concert. For the concert. Play, Play sheepyards of New Zealand. Okay. Um... <laughs> so I guess you're saying that you didn't have the same idea. <laughs> Not immediately. Okay, I'm going to convince you now, okay? Okay. <laughs> um... <laughs> you know, I thought that we had kind of gone into new territory when we were talking about the Ewoks and the Muppets, but you just <laughs> raised the game. Yeah, from the... Okay, so, you know, just ignoring some of the earlier lines, the sheep... <laughs> <laughs> Never before... Has a sheep. Um, so the, the sheep is chasing history. <laughs> I left home. <laughs> Moving west to the sunset. <laughs> oh. oh my. Lanta. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> I'm glad you like my <laughs> Oh, and this, folks, is why we edit the podcast. <laughs> oh, it's been years since we had this kind of a... Oh. Okay. <laughs> we used to do this um periodically, but we 
it's been a while. Well, it's been a while. It's been a while since we had a really good one like that. Okay. But, okay. Let's, okay. Let's so, hear it. So. <laughs> so yeah. So he was factory made and settled. <laughs> he was safe. Safe from storm and broken earth. But this is the history making sheep. Oh. oh, but there's so much to do every day. <laughs> Dreams keep on disappearing. Now here, this is the proof. Okay. Now, now danger lurks behind the spreader. What's the spreader? That's apparently where the wolves hide. On the far, it's like it's yeah. it's the far, it's like the farm machinery. Okay, the spreader. <laughs> it is and, and Charlton Heston <laughs> yeah of course cast the first worse. stone so now it all makes sense and <laughs> yeah and how about this what kind of sheep would say a history making sheep would say I can't get lost right because you know sheep would <laughs> You know that sheep are famous for getting lost, right? <laughs> but not this one. No. I can't get confused. Can't. Nope. The sheep's the cable. Okay, so anyway, now that I've convinced you of my theory, um, <clears throat> I heard it's about. I heard it's about the U.S. using uh, New Zealand. Uh, you know the sheep like. New you, Zealand. You what make, are they famous for? You make a very compelling case. Wait. Yeah. What, 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 what's New Zealand famous for? Hobbits and sheep. And sheep. Yep. That's right. Maybe it's about Hobbit. <laughs> Maybe it's about Bilbo. <laughs> Frodo. <laughs> oh. I don't know how we're going to salvage that, but we will. Oh, I'm a little sore. <laughs> you were laughing pretty good there. I was. I, I, I actually, I, I was teary. I had tears. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. So that's not where I was going. Okay. What's your theory? Well, I don't know what the shipyards of New Zealand is about, but I'll tell you what the lyrics bring to mind when, when I was reading them through and trying to listen. Yeah. Short and sweet. Yeah. Young man. Going off to war, perhaps going off like in the navy to war, ah. um, only to find that instead of being this great, grand, youthful adventure that he was expecting, you know, basically this is where my life broke, and heading west into the sunset became the sunset of this yeah, poor sheep's of, of life. Poor sheep, I, yeah, I know it didn't work yeah, out. <laughs> it didn't work out for him. Yeah, so that's basically where where I was at, um, and and the end of the song. Again, I think that's drawing in that whole broken-hearted imagery that that we're seeing throughout the song. Yeah, or throughout the album. Yeah, that's right. Throughout yeah. the album, my mistake. Yep, that that's what it is. Yep, for cool. me. So Robin never did say what his favorite song was. Oh yeah, what's Robin's favorite song? So in conclusion, my favorite song. I'm going to kind of cheap out. Okay. If I'm in the rock and roll mood, best of both worlds is my favorite. Yep. If I if it's the emotional connection, yeah, then I'm just I'm gonna say Jimmy Sherman's okay, yeah. boxer. It's kind of cheap, but no, that's that's totally cool. 
Yeah. So now we get to your favorite part of the podcast. Oh, yeah, my favorite part. People really enjoyed it last time. They sure I think did. They enjoyed at, your at my expense. Yes. Yes. Yep. If for some reason this is the first podcast that you're listening to, Rob and I play this game where we decide whether we're going to keep the album that we've just listened to or keep the album that we currently have. We started at the very beginning. We were given the Blue Meanie. Then came head injuries, and we had to decide, are we going to keep head injuries and get rid of the Blue Meanie or keep the Blue Meanie? And we've we've done that all the way through. And I think both of us all the way along have been keeping the album. Oh, we've been taking the new one. Yeah, taking the new album. Except. We did not take Bird Noises. Bird Noises. We yep. did take Postcard. Did both of yep, them? We, we both t- took Postcard. You even took Postcard, eh? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, for sure. I love Postcard. Yeah. Yeah, and, and we then, both took 1098. And I very reluctantly took 1098, and Darren I took it. I enthusiastically took 1098. Yeah. And then here we are. So are you are you feeling as torn when it comes to Red Sails as it, as it was with 1098? No. When I think of it all as an album, 1098 and Red Sails, um, I find it pretty easy to keep 1098 yeah. and pass on Red Sails. Yeah. As much as there's fantastic songs and everything. Yeah. Uh, as a whole thing to listen to, yep. uh, I'd rather keep 1098. I wasn't that surprised you did that. Yeah. I figured that it was pretty obvious all along. I'll show. It, well, yeah. And, and even coming into it, I bet you this would be a relatively easy decision for most people. Uh, not everyone. And it wasn't an easy decision for me. At the beginning of the week, it, I was thinking, yeah, this, this is a weird album. But as the two weeks uh, went along, I really warmed up to it. My favorite song on the album, Sleep, is I just really, really like that song right Mm -hmm. now. And we didn't really talk about the last three songs on the album. Harrisburg, Bells and Horns, and Shipyards. And I think we were kind of alluding to, you know, this this is a a difficult part of the album to listen through and and to to stick with. Um, I like it. I like the moodiness. I like the weirdness. I love bells and horns like oh, the yeah. second half of bells and horns fantastic yeah so as the week goes on hmm this is definitely becoming a contender for me and i'm thinking it's basically got everything i want in a midnight oil album because it's got your Osco's, it's got your generals it's got your best of both worlds your for the for the pre postcard crowd it's got that for you there for the postcard and beyond crowd, it's got the moody atmospherics. It's got the playing with sound. It's got a lot of chorus on some basses. I really like this album. No wind chimes, I'm sorry. No wind chimes, but that's okay. okay. That's okay for me. So I'm going to take Red Sails and I'm going to get rid of 1098. And now we've diverged. We have. I'm not sure. Maybe that ends the series. And with that, it's time to retract the stylus, slide the vinyl back into its sleeve, and say good night until next time when we'll be listening to the oil's extended play. Actually, Robin, yeah. the next record that we're going to be listening to will be the Species to Species EP. Yeah. However, what are we going to be recording and releasing next? We might be doing our uh, a little shorty from after... Seeing the concert in Toronto next we week. We might. I'm still going to lobby that we watch Goat Island. Yeah. And just keep it a short short one for that too. Oh, yeah. 
but we'll be coming back to you soon with another podcast from the couches from our comfortable places on the couch. You can subscribe to Comfortable Place on the Couch wherever you find good podcasts. And you can get in touch with us on the Twitter at Darren the Folds and at Robin Harbron. Show notes are online at darrenfolds.com slash podcasts. So for Robin Harbron, I'm Darren Folds. Good night. Good night. Good night.